All right. Well, if you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. We're done being thankful, right? We've, we've, uh, we now no longer have to talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, no, hopefully you have, uh, like, like I've seen, just a, a greater desire and discipline to be thankful. And if you will grow that discipline and train that discipline throughout the year, if you'll set watches for it, uh, then uh, you will find yourself a more thankful person, a more thanksgiving Christian, and you'll be healthier for it. Our worship uh, will be better for it. Hopefully today you began the new year by entering his courts uh, with thanksgiving. Uh, and so let's go back though now. Uh, to, to continuing to talk about uh, uh, prayer, let me do a, uh, just a quick recap since we've, we've taken a, a little break. Uh, as we're looking at what the Bible teaches about prayer, prayer, again, not, not simply uh, talking to God. Prayer specifically is, is asking, asking God to do something. It's one of the greatest blessings uh, for the children of God is that they can ask things of the creator of the universe. They can ask things of their father. Uh, but there are things that the Bible warns us, even though it's such a great blessing, there are things the Bible warns us are hindrances to prayer. There are things that will keep us from praying. So we look through that prayer, ADD, abundance, disobedience, doubt. Those are specific things that the Bible says. Here are things that have, that have and do keep God's people from asking him for things. Uh, and so these are things to watch out for because they will keep you from going to the Father and, and asking him, from taking advantage of this huge blessing uh, that he has uh, given us. And so then we, once we got rid of those hindrances, says, okay, now we want to pray. Well, how do we do it? And we began by looking at the things that get in the way of, uh, of praying, how not to pray. You know, we looked at, you know, the Bible typically when it teaches people how to pray begins by telling them how not to. Uh, and so we started out looking at how not to pray. We saw the danger of praying with our mind on others. We just started with Matthew 6 because that's where we were. We saw the danger of praying with our minds on others, which is, was pictured in Matthew 6 of, of praying out loud for others to hear and um, and so the Lord told us to go to a secret place and, and pray in secret, knowing that the, the Lord will hear. You don't need to uh, do it with your mind on others. We saw the danger of praying to impress others in Matthew 6 as well. This is, often comes by the means of long prayers. You're trying to impress God. So you say long prayers. You, how, how can I get God to answer this prayer? Well, I, I don't think he really loves me and will just answer me if I ask. Uh, so I'll do these long prayers. And then if I, do the, if I use enough words, then God will be moved to ask from my many, or to answer from my many, many words. And God said, that's what the pagans do. Don't do that. And then we saw Jesus warn about long prayers as well in Luke, uh, where he says, you're praying these long prayers to be seen as holy by others. So, so the danger of, of, of praying with, uh, trying to impress others. Don't, uh, don't pray like that. Don't pray doubting prayers. We saw in James one, uh, don't pray, uh, prayers for the wrong reasons. We saw in James four and then don't pray while refusing to repent. And we looked at several passages, but Psalm 66 was the main one for that. So when we're praying, don't pray like that. Don't do those things. So if you, you know, there are things to keep us from praying, watch out for those. And then when you actually do pray, there are temptations that will come even as you're asking the Lord for things. Watch out for those. Watch out for these specific ones that the Bible mentions specifically. Of course, there are, there are many beyond just those ones specifically mentioned by uh, Scripture. Uh, but how do we actually do it? How do we actually pray. We know all the things that keep us from it. We know all the ways we, that, that, that prayer could be, you know, sort of perverted, but what are the things we should be doing? How, how should we pray? And so when the disciples asked Jesus that, and when Jesus was wanting to teach people how to pray, he gave them this prayer that we see in Matthew 6. This is the prayer he gave them, this, this model of things to ask from the Lord. We call it the Lord's Prayer, uh, this list of things. You want to you know, you know, teach us how to ask God, teach us how to pray these things. Well, you want to know what to pray? Here's the things you should be praying for. Uh, and he gives us this, this uh, simple prayer. You can say this prayer in less than seven seconds. Uh, yet, what we've wanted to show you is not just say, hey, look, Jesus' prayer is really short. Uh, here's the Lord's prayer. Learn it. And we're done. As you look at each one of those requests, they are filled with biblical depth. 
both in understand both both in terms of the history behind those requests. Father, holify your name, right? Uh, what does it mean for God to to hallow His name, to make His name holy? So the that goes all the way back to the holiness of God and what God's doing in creation, in creation of us, in creation of His people, like all these things packed in that request. And each one of those requests is like that. Each one of those requests is filled with 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 scripture that is guiding what this prayer means. We don't just want to know the words, right? We're not just, this isn't just a token prayer. This isn't a, this isn't a Christian mantra that if you say it right, it works. Uh, these are the things that we're supposed to ask. We want to make sure we know, one, what we're asking for and, and why we should uh, why we should ask it. And so each one of these requests just built on theme upon theme throughout the, the Bible. And now we're on to the last one. We're on to this last request, deliver us from evil. We're going to spend just a little bit more time in it, uh, and then we'll uh, move on to some more stuff in prayer. We'll be done with the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but let's stand uh, in the honor of reading the words of our God to us when it comes to prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So now we're on to this last thing. We're on to asking God to deliver us from evil. We saw how evil is a a very rich topic. It encompasses, you know, just even how you translate this verse, how you translate this passage of, of what is the evil that it is speaking of. We've seen uh, just sort of multiple pictures of what evil is when the Bible warns us about evil and talks about evil coming against the Christian. We saw that it could be referencing the evil one, Satan. It could be his minions, the demons. They're called the evil, uh, the evil ones of the earth, the, the, the world uh, without Christ, all of those. So if, so if someone were to ask, what is the evil that we're to be delivered from? I would, uh, is it this, this, or this? I'd say yes. Uh, it is those things because scripture talks about those evils coming against Christians all of those evils seeking to attack the uh, the believer but if you also remember so that's what the evil is if you also remember one of the interesting things about the Lord's prayer is that all of the things we ask for in the Lord's prayer all of the requests in the Lord's prayer are things that God has always done things that God is doing, and yet things that he will continue to do for his people. So each of these prayers, each of these things, each of these requests, God has always done. God, it comes to how God has always holified his name. And God is holifying his name right now. And God will continue to holify his name. Every one of those requests, the Lord's prayer, that's why the great thing about the Lord's prayer, the Lord's prayer is always answered. Uh, and it always has been. Every request in the Lord's Prayer is, has always been answered by God and has been answered by God even before you prayed it, before you ever existed. The Lord was doing these things, what, they, what, what, what I like to call the, the always already and advancing aspects of, of, of God's work. Uh, and this last request to deliver us from evil is no different. That God has, is, and will always deliver his people from evil. And so that's what we're going to look at this week uh, is how has God delivered his people? How has God always delivered his people from evil? How is God delivering his people from evil now? And how will God continue to rescue his people from evil? Now, we're not going to break this part up into the, the three groups. We're not going to do the how has God always is and will always deliver his people from the evil one. And then how has God is always, you know, always is and will continue to deliver his people from uh, demons. And we're not going to break that up 
in, individually, and, and, and that makes sense why we're not going to do that uh, because of what we've learned when we looked at those three evil groups. If you remember, there's a synergy between those three groups. There's a synergy in the work of, of evil. It is, it, is a, it is a kingdom not divided uh, in its pursuit against the, the Christian. So when we, when we looked at how evil works, you have the evil one that sends his messengers, his angels, the, the evil ones, the demons, who then influence the evil world, who work their influence on the evil world, uh, an evil world that wants to do the will of their father. The evil world who wants to do the will of their father, the devil. So, the, these, so, uh, so when we're talking about the evil that's going to come against the Christian, you've got all three of these aspects seeking to come at the believer, but they're all working in synergy together. They're, they're all working the same thing. So when God is delivering us from one of these, uh, he's delivering us from the group because their mission is tied together. So when we talk about how God's delivering us from evil, how he's going to deliver us from evil will then cover what all of these groups are doing. So I want you to think, well, but how's he going to deliver me from the devil? Uh, or, but, but how's he going to deliver me from demons? Or how's he going to deliver me from the lost world out there? Like these are all in delivering us from evil in the ways he delivers us. As we're going to see, that's how he delivers from all of those, uh, from all of those things. So how does God deliver us from evil when we're praying that, when we're asking God to do that? How do we expect God uh, to answer that prayer? How has that prayer always been answered? What are the always, already, and advancing parts of that prayer? And today we're going to look at the always. Today we're going to look at, at the always, how God has always delivered his people from Evil. When you and I say, uh, Father, deliver us from evil, we're not asking God to do something he's never done before. We're not asking God to do something even special for us. We're just calling on God to do what God has always done. So when we're asking God, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from the evil ones, deliver us from this evil world, we're not asking him to do something new. And that's going to be the reason we want to point out this. This is going to be part of the confidence of this prayer. Part of the confidence of the Lord's prayer is this is what God has always done. So when you're asking God to do this for you, you're not asking for some sort of special dispensation here. You're not asking for God to do something with you that no one has ever known before. Uh, and the deliverance we share as we tarry there, no one has ever known because I, you know, no one's ever been delivered from evil like I've been delivered. No, this is what God does. So when you pray, Father, deliver us from evil. When you're praying that you can have confidence, God's going to answer this because God has always answered this prayer for his people. God has always delivered his people from evil. And this goes back all the way to the beginning. It didn't go back to the beginning. I couldn't use the word always, right? I have to use most of the time or a lot of the time. Uh, you go back all the way to the beginning. What, what phrase do you see written, especially throughout uh, Scripture and both the Old Testament and New Testament, this phrase, fear not, right? Fear not, be not afraid. In fact, the phrase fear not appears over 100 times in the Old Testament alone. Not just the phrase, like, like the command, do not be afraid. Do not fear over a hundred times in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, which is much shorter in terms of size-wise, even the New Testament appears over 30 times, around 30 times uh, in the New Testament. Uh, this command to not be afraid. Well, that command, fear not, is built off of this promise of God to his people that his people don't need to, you don't need to be afraid of evil. Why? Why do we as God's people, why can God tell us, command us, call us, don't be afraid? Because God always delivers his people from evil. Because God has always done that. So he can come to his people throughout various ages, various other parts of the world. We didn't even, you know, we didn't even know about, uh, you know, what had happened with Noah's descendants over here yet. Like all this stuff, like no idea. And yet what can he tell to all of them? Various stages, various ages, millennia of difference at times. And yet tell them the same thing. Don't be afraid. Different situations, facing kingdoms, facing their own children. Say, don't be afraid. 
Facing the mightiest empires on human, in human existence? Or the most stubborn kids in human existence? Can say, fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? Why can God do that? Because God has always delivered his people from evil. Well, how has God done that? How has God always delivered his people from evil? Well, we're going to see that uh, God delivers his people both passively and actively from evil. When God, God has always delivered his people and he's always delivered them both passively and actively. Meaning this, God, God both defends us against evil and defeats evil for us. God has always defended his people from evil and defeated evil on their behalf. And so when we're praying to be delivered from evil, we need to understand both of those actions are what we're praying for in our deliverance. And both of those things are what God is going to do, what God has always done in the deliverance of his people. Now, does anyone know the first person that God told to be not afraid, to fear not? Anyone got a guess? Well, we'll wait here the whole time. If you get it wrong, there's no shame except that you got it wrong in front of everyone. See, that's what I would have thought. That's what I would have thought. And we know, so Joshua is what we said. That's, that's where we see it over and over again, right? Be not afraid, be strong and courageous. For the Lord's right. Is actually, it goes, this is why, the reason I ask this, because that's normally what we think. I wanted you to get it wrong, because I love you. Uh, no, the, what I wanted to show you is how it goes back all the way to Abraham. Abram. So you've got, I mean, when you're thinking about the story of, of, of Scripture and you've got all of the fall, and people ask, you know, where's the fall? I go Genesis 1 through 11 is fall. Uh, it's all fall. Uh, and, and you finally get God making a people from amongst an evil world, right? The world that God just spent those first chapters telling us how bad it was. We have a world of Lamechs by this point. Uh, and, and what does, what does God say to Abram when he pulls him out and makes him a people from the midst of this? He tells him, it's in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15, verse one, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, fear not Abram. I am your shield. So here we've got God saying, fear not. I am your shield. You can go back and, and read Genesis. He's not fighting against somebody at this point. This is just the fear of the future for him. He has no children. His servant's going to you know, take over his house, like all these things. He's, and, and God says, fear not Abram. Now, why? Why does he not need to fear? He says, because I am your shield. And this is where we, we see, we see the, 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 the passive part of God's defense here. Gabram doesn't need to fear because God will defend him. God is his shield. And, and notice, not God will be his shield. God tells Abram, look, I am your shield. I'm your shield before you ever prayed this prayer. He doesn't say, pray this prayer and I will protect you. He doesn't say, pray this, ask me to deliver you, uh, Abram, and everything's going to be fine because I'll be that shield. He says, look, I am your shield. It's what I am. I am your protection. I am your God and you are my people and you do not need to be afraid. You do not need to fear. All the time, God is the shield for Abram. All the time, he is defending him, delivering him. And so over and over in the Bible, the, the, the call that has gone out to the first of God's people is the one that's repeated throughout God's people, uh, this call to not be afraid. And, it's, and part of that is built on the sure defense of the Lord. So when we're talking about active and passive, God passively defends his people and that he is their defense. He's the one you can run to. He's the one that, that you can turn to when things are tough. And when evil is coming against you, he is your defense. He is your shield. And so over and over, when God's people are faced with evil, he reminds them, look, you have a shield. You have a protector. You have a defender. Take, for example, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, is a strong tower. 
The righteous man runs into it and is safe. When God's people need deliverance, where have God's people always run? Where have they always been able to run? They run to the Lord and he delivers them. He delivers, he's not just a tower, he is a strong tower. And and when the righteous, which again, remember the world is broken up into the righteous and the wicked. So when the righteous are running and you're assuming they're not just trying to get their steps in, when the righteous are running from evil and they run to that strong tower, what is that strong tower for them? It is their safety. It is their deliverance. It delivers them from the the evils coming against them. They run to the strong tower and they find deliverance. They find safety in him. That's always been true. This is, this is, he doesn't just say, he doesn't say here in Proverbs 18, the Lord is a strong tower for some people. The Lord will be a strong tower for, for you sometimes. The Lord, there might be a situation where you can run to the Lord and he'll protect you. Now, this is just the way God is for all people. Just put it, you can put it in the book of Proverbs. This is true. This is true for all mankind. Look at Psalm 61. Psalm 61, beginning in verse 1. It says this, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, Selah. The Lord is our tower. He is our shelter. He hides his people under his wings. And and I love it. Notice this is not, God is not some dispassionate foxhole either. I love that, that God shelters his people, that he is, like a, he is like a mother hen with her chicks. He hears their cry and he covers them. So God is not just existing and you can run to him in his existence and be safe. God is actively defending you. He is putting you under his wings. He cares about protecting you. Your, your deliverance is not just sort of a, Insert slot, uh, insert tab A into slot B, and that and that deliverance works. God, God is your deliverance. He is your strong tower. He is your safety. He is all of these things because He cares for you. So He is the strong tower that is calling you to turn to Him when evil comes. He is the strong tower reminding you. Because he knows how fickle your emotions are and how fickle you can be in, as we're going to talk about in a second, uh, in times of war and reminding you where you need to turn. And so he tells his people, look, I will shelter you. I will shelter you. There's a story last week of those people caught in, in Buffalo uh, or somewhere up in the Northeast and they were caught in that blizzard and they had to break into a building. Uh, and house a, house a bunch of people from the storm. And they wrote a note saying, sorry, we had to break in, but there were elderly people and they were dying. Uh, normally, if you leave a note like that, which is very kind, if you ever have to break in in a snowstorm, just leave a note. Uh, but you know what? The, the building they broke into did not care for them. It didn't care. I mean, it didn't know that they'd broken in. It didn't know that they were trying to warm up. It didn't say, oh, you're here. This isn't some sort of, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast sort of castle that comes alive uh, when the guests arrive. The Lord is not a castle like that. He's not a fortress like that. The Lord is a fortress that cares for his people. So when you cry, deliver me from evil, you don't have a God who is going to begrudgingly protect you. You don't have a God who's going, oh, okay. And you don't have a God who's just not, doesn't even know what you're going through. But, but since you said his name, he's got to be there for you. God cares for his people. He defends his people because he loves them. He always has. God loves his people. And since he loves to love, and since he loves to love his people, he loves to deliver his people. God is not some sort of uh, deliverance genie or deliverance robot just doing what he has to do. 
You're praying to a God who loves to deliver his people and always has. And so he has always delivered them. Uh, turn to Psalm 18. I, I love Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a great place to look at this because here we're going to see a, a multitude of metaphors. <clears throat> we're going to see a multitude of... <clears throat> one sec. A multitude of metaphors here. Beginning in verse 1, he says... I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. So what is the Lord for his people here? He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer, the, the God in whom we take refuge. He is our shield. He is our horn of salvation. He is our stronghold. All of these terms of defense for his people. When enemies surround God's people, what are they always able to do? He says in verse 3, so you think, you think, think of what's going on here in Psalm 18. I love you. You're my strength. You're, you're my rock, my shield, my, all these defensive things. And yet what, what, is, what does he say happens in verse 3? You've got enemies surrounding him. You've got the need for a fortress. You've got the need for a stronghold. You've got, which are basically the, the two Hebrew words for castle you can choose. You've got all of these options of protection and said, that's who God is is for me and yet when he's surrounded by his people what can they when he's surrounded by his enemies what can he do what can God's people always been able to do in verse 3 I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised even when surrounded by enemies the psalmist is reminding us of the praiseworthiness of God we can praise the Lord even when surrounded by enemies. Now, why can we praise the Lord even when surrounded by enemies? Now, the, the atheists are going to say, because we're all just delusional, right? And so it's that, it, Marx would say, it's that opiate for the masses, right? We're just trying to, we, life is horrible, and so we see all the bad things, and so we just, we just call out to God, you're going to be great, uh, please, uh, you, God, you're so, you're so wonderful. But what does God say? What is, why can we call out to God with praise even when surrounded by our enemies, even when surrounded by our enemy? And again, remember, in the Bible, we're not just talking about physical, personal beings. Or we're talking about when the evil one has sent his demons against us uh, and the world is teaming up with them and we're surrounded by enemies of both flesh and non-flesh. How can we praise God when we're fighting all those battles what does he say? Because he is the one who saves us from our enemies. I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised and I am saved. God has always saved his people from their enemies. Psalm 18 is not something just some people can pray some of the time in some situations. This is not just a psalm that you know, might be useful to you. One day in your life, you might face something evil, and that time God might deliver you from evil. If you pray and pray rightly, that time, that might be when you get the deliverance. No, this is what God always is and always does for his people. He's always a tower. He always defends his people. He always has. And sometimes we, we like to point out, hey, you're not special, right? You're not special. God's not going to, and that's one of the great things here. You're not special, which means God's going to deliver you just like he's delivered all of his people. You, you don't want to be special in this occurrence. You don't want to be the one that's like, yeah, oh, he's always delivered his people except for, hmm, you're special. You're not, you are, you are a child of God and he will treat you like he has treated all of his children for all time and he has always delivered them. You, you facing an enemy that seems like it's trying to tear up your home, that seems like it's trying to tear up your life, that seems like it's coming after your future, tearing after your testimony, coming after the name of God, your kingdom outpost. You're, 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 you see the evil that's working and you see both the physical and the spiritual ways that that's happening and you cry out, God, deliver me from evil. You can pray that with confidence and you can pray it with praise. 
because that's what God has always done for his people. And he's always done it to the point he gives us songs to remind us that he's always done it. We don't even have to just collect anecdotal evidence. We don't even have to just look and say, look, here's another story and another story and another story. And you raise your hand. Oh, let's add their story and their story. No, God says, look, you pray this. You sing it. Sing this song of praise because I always deliver my people. So when we pray, God, deliver us from evil. That's something God has always done. God has always been a shelter of deliverance for his people. Remember this verse that we saw last week, Psalm 63. So look at Psalm 63. Just a a few psalms later. Flip over there real fast. Psalm 63, verses 5 through 8. We talked about this when we talked about being thankful. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So when it's, when it's night and evil surrounds us and we're going through the night, it's the watches of the night. It's bad and it's continuing to be bad and it's dark and you're wanting morning to come. What have God's people always found the Lord doing in the middle of our darkness? Delivering them. Being their help hiding them under the shadow of his wings so they can, even in the middle of the night, when the rest of the world is quaking, when the rest of the world is shaking, because they know the darkness that is out there is a darkness that they deserve. We can sit with confidence against the evil one and his minions and his masses and know that the Lord will deliver us that night will not be the end of our story, that morning will come. And so we can go through our night with joy because our soul clings to our God and he clings right back. So all throughout scripture, when when God's people needed a safe place to run from evil, a safe place to find deliverance. God has always been there to deliver them. He's always been there, someone they can run to. He has passively been always there. He is their shield. He is their protection. He's the one they can get behind, that they can run into. He will cover them. He will protect them that's the passive part next week it gets fun because we get the active part uh next week we get to see god saying all right you guys good okay let me get my sword uh and that's gonna be really fun gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because i know what it's gonna be uh so anyway that's the that's the that's the passive part we're gonna we're gonna stop there because we've got like 30 verses for the active part but let's think, let's think on this idea because this is something that, again, you have all these verses that, that are focused just on that passive deliverance from the Lord, being that tower, being that refuge, and saying, look, God always delivers you. You can know God will always deliver you. He'll always be that tower. So, so we don't want to get too much. We don't want to have too much to praise God for. Let's just think on that aspect today. Let's just think about that. When we pray, deliver us from evil, I want us to begin to recognize that we can know that God will deliver us from evil because he always has. Okay, so the first thing we want to take from this is recognizing God has always, the very beginning, Abraham Fear not, repeated over a hundred times to God's people in the Old Testament, around 30 times in the New Testament. Fear not, fear not, don't be afraid, do not fear, don't be afraid, over and over and over. Why? Because God has always delivered his people, always delivered his people from evil. So you can know 
There has never been a minute in your life where God has not already been doing the thing that you're going to pray for him to do when you say deliver us from evil. You've never known a minute in your life where God has not delivered you from evil. There's never been a minute in human existence where God has not delivered his people from evil. Evil has never won against the people of God. Never. God has always delivered his people. And he always will. When they cry out to him to be delivered, he has never failed them. In fact, he succeeded on their behalf even when they failed to cry out many times. So you can then pray that prayer delivers from evil with confidence, with assurance. I want you to go to this prayer of deliver us from evil and say, okay, I can know that God, when I pray that you will do that because you always have. The same assurance that God's given his people since the book of Genesis has not changed. This is one of the great things about our God, that he, there is no shadow of change in him. If there was a shadow of change in him, then it might be that we find out today God has decided to not deliver his people. That, oh, you know, God's, God's decided to let us callous up a little bit. That's not what God does. God does not change. He has always delivered his people from evil, and he always will. And you're part of that always. So you can fear not. You can be not afraid. Why? Because he is your God. He is your God. And let's go back to how Matthew 6 began, how Jesus taught us to begin that prayer. He's not just your God. He is your father. Would you allow any of your children to be consumed by evil if you had the ability to stop it? No. You love your children too much to do that. And God says, if you being wicked know how to treat your children well, then do not fear that I don't know how to treat my children well. The Lord always delivers his people. He always has. So pray this prayer uh, with confidence. And with that, let's talk about the confidence we can have in the picture of God as this tower for us. You can be confident that God will deliver you from evil. Now let's talk about how we saw God deliver us in this first section passively of God being the tower for us. You can be confident that there is never going to be a situation that God will not be a tower stronger than what you're going through. That God is not going to be stronger than the evil that you face. I mean, that's our, we, we know we, when we're talking hypothetically about God being a tower and a strength and a refuge, we know it. But when this comes up, we go, but, but can he deliver me from that? And we begin to fear. And this is where anxiety comes in, where we're afraid we're going to run to God and, and find the evil able to snatch us out from under his wings. Or find him to be a tower that, yeah, is good against most things, but I'm not dealing with most things. I'm dealing with this in my family. Or I'm dealing with this in my health. Or I'm dealing with this in my job. Or this in my marriage. Or this with my children. Whatever it is. And we go, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't just run to the Lord and expect him to deliver me. I can't, I can't just do that. I've got to do something else. There's got to be something else I do. I mean, I mean God, deliver me, but I can't, just, I can't just hide in you. I can't, just, I can't just trust you to defend me and protect us from this evil. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. And that's the temptation. To think that God's not a tower that will defeat your enemies. That God's not a tower that can withstand the assault of evil against you and your home. And so you begin to get anxious. And when you get anxious, you get stupid. And when you get stupid, then you start to do the things that really will have consequences for you and your home. No matter what evil might come against you or against your family, I I like God's promises, what he says in 1 John 4, 4, when he says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You can be confident of that. He who is in you is greater Always greater. Are there situations that you fear might come against your family? Are there sort of, you know, worst case scenarios that when you think about trusting the Lord, you're like, God, deliver me from evil. But there's this thing over here that you're like, but if that happened, could I trust him? 
But if this occurred, if this worst nightmare happened, would I run to God in my strong tower then or would I be the person outside? It's always a woman in the videos, right? Who's just screaming. I love those videos because they help show us that there is a difference between men and women. And it's good that there is. Uh, are you just going to be the person that's sort of standing outside when the, the, what was the video I saw the other day? When the deer is attacking uh, and you're just, what are you doing? You're just screaming. Uh, and you're like, and the husband's going, go back inside the house. And she's just going, ah, ah, just outside. What's funny is that's what we do. That's what we do when we get anxious. That's what we do when we pray this prayer, deliver us from evil. And we're not sure that God will. Instead of running to him and finding refuge, we just go, ah, ah, ah. Is there a situation that you think if that came about you, you would lose your mind? I would lose it. If this happened, if you say that, if you think that, look, if you can already lose it now, then just thinking about that happening. There's all sorts of things I want to say about that. But, but if, you can, if you can lose it now, then of course, when the situation actually comes, is there anything that you think that way about? Well, if there is, have confidence now that you can know God will. So if Satan wants to accuse not just you, but your Lord by saying you wouldn't, there's no way you'd make it through that. There's no way your faith would survive. There's no way your relationship with God would survive. That doesn't come from the Lord. Where does that come from? It's evil. It's demonic. And when you start to think those thoughts about whatever situation, you can already say with confidence, God has always delivered his people from evil and he will deliver me. He will hear my cry and he will shelter me under his wings. Again, God is not some dispassionate refuge. He will uphold you. He will protect you. He will cover you. God will always stand in the gap for his people. So, Remember that when you have to cry out to be delivered because evil is barreling down on you. God is there and he wants to be. God is there for you and he wants to be. You're going to reach out and you're going to find him upholding you. You're going to cling to him. And you're going to see him clinging to you. So have confidence. God always answers his prayer. Have confidence. He's a tower against anything that you're going to face. He's going to be stronger than anything you're going to face. That's always been true of God. It's always been true for his people. He is stronger than whatever they go through. Know that now. Because when the whatever comes, you need to have that ingrained in your head and ingrained in your heart. So you can know this is not stronger, not than that. This is not stronger than him. And that's your confidence. And he has always been that for all of his people. And I am his people. And today is still always. And with that, a little bit of preparation. Not just to know that he's going to be stronger. Know now what your tower is and where your tower is at all times. One of the ways to be wise and praying to be delivered from evil is to ingrain in your, in your head where you're going to turn when evil comes, where you're going to turn and where that tower is. The reason I say it, like, we think about in things like fire, when we're in a house, you'll go through situations where you get, all right, let's talk about in case of a fire, what we're all going to do. No, Levi, you're not going to climb to the roof and then jump off. Uh, and, and no, you can't practice. Uh, you know, you can't just do these things. Like, we want to know, okay, you're going to go out this way. You're going to go out this window. We're going to go out this door. If there's a fire, everyone be ready. No, get, get in place. In, in, in war, the, the same thing. The, the castle, the fortress, that's where you're going to run to. And you know that. And you're out there in your field and you're like, fortress. Okay, got it. Where are we going to go? Okay, guys, if there are, if we see bad guys coming down the road, we see a giant cloud of dust coming our way. And we go, that's probably not a farmer's cart. Uh, that's probably a bunch of guys on chariots and horses. Where do we turn? Okay, I want you to drop your hoe in the field. I want you to, to drop your pitchfork in the hayloft. And I want you to run to that. You see it? Little Johnny, do you see it? Yes, when you see bad guys coming, you run there. Don't run to your favorite hidey hole. Don't run down to the lake. Don't grab your fishing pole. Run to that. 
You get them ready. You get them ready for it. No word to flee. And that's the thing. Is that we, we've looked at, we've looked at evil and its battle against the believer. Look, we're in a war. The lion is prowling. His minions are working. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but that don't mean we don't battle. Right? We battle against spiritual force, forces in the heavenly places. And if I were to tell you that and you'd believe it, you'd be like, that's scary crazy. Uh, and it's like, yeah, but that's what the Bible tells us is going on. And if we believe that, we'd be like, really? Yeah, you're fighting the demonic realm. What? Right now? Yeah. Like, well, we should be ready then. Exactly. And one of the ways you prepare yourself is by reminding yourself where you're going to turn when the attack comes. So I, so I say this, keep your eyes on the castle so you know where to run in difficulty. Keep your eyes on the Lord so you'll know where to run when times are difficult. Part of our problem is that when evil comes, we are not prepared. And so we know to pray to be delivered, but we've wandered so far from our rock that we forget where to turn to. We forget where it is. We know that he's our strong tower, but we've spent so much time when things are easy, instead of focusing on our tower, praising him, staying near to that tower, because we're in war. We've forgotten we're at war because we haven't been battling. We've just been living. We haven't been waging war in our home against the enemy. And so we've forgotten we've, we're at war. And so the enemy, like, like coyotes, right? Like when a coyote's trying to trick a dog. Right? Coyotes will trick a dog by like, like going up to the dog and the dog gets all aggressive argh, and starts to chase the coyote and the coyote like tuck its tail under its legs and run back like, oh no, oh no, please don't get me, please don't get me. Uh, and, and the dog's like, yeah, that's right, buddy. I'm gonna chase, and then he, he chases, the, chases the dog over the hill. Uh, and then the dog gets over the hill and, he, and all the other you know, buddy coyotes are like, hey guy, looks like you're in the wrong neighborhood. Uh, and he's like, Where's the house? Where's the house? Uh, and he has to turn tail and run. What the, what the evil will do to us is, and we, we see it in, like even in the prayer, give me neither poverty nor riches. Part of the problem with abundance keeps us from prayer, right? What happens to us is evil, evil will win the battle against us by allowing us to forget that there's a war until war is upon us. Until the battle is here and the arrow is shot. So we'll, we'll go through life and everything will be hunky-dory. We won't be monitoring our relationship with our wife. We won't, be, we won't be, you know, waging war in our home for the souls of our children and, and all this stuff. We won't be actively fighting. We'll get in kind of a passive sort of mentality and we'll wander from the rock. It never happens when the enemy is right in front of you. There's never been a, you know, you don't get in a war and, and you're in the midst of a battle and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I forgot where the tower was. I mean, you know where it's at. And you're ready for the, and you're like, all right, retreat. Ha ha. Uh, let's run back into that thing. In the Christian life, we've always got to make sure we know where God is in the day to day. We've got to keep ourselves close to the tower every day. Or the day's going to come when we need the tower and we will have wandered far away from it. Do you know what Proverbs warned about? Uh, in, in Proverbs 18.10, that passage uh, that we read, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. You know what the next passage is? A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. If you're, if you're not preparing yourself to turn to God by living in righteousness today, then you won't know the way of righteousness when evil comes. You won't know the path of righteousness that leads to the Lord of righteousness and leads to the refuge of righteousness and you'll turn to a high wall that exists only in your imagination. You'll turn to the wrong hope and you and your family will suffer for it. In war, you look like a fool if your hands are not trained for battle. And if you have not taught yourself and your family where to turn when things become the worst, then don't be surprised when evil comes and you all scatter. We're in the war. Keep your eye on the tower. He will always be there. Where will you be?
That's the real question. The question isn't deliver me from evil. Will God do that? But where will I be? How far will I have wandered from the tower when I turn around and need it desperately? Let's pray. The psalmist said that even in the shadow of God's wings, he could sing for joy. That he could call upon the Lord and praise him even in the night because he knew God would save him. So right now, take a moment and just thank the Lord that he is your deliverer. Thank him that you don't have to ask him to be something he hasn't always been for his people. That you don't need him to do something special for you. This is who he is. This is one of the great things about him being your God. He's always done this for his people. He is your God and you are his people. And there are benefits that come with that. One of those benefits is prayer and the other is protection. Constant protection. He delivers you from evil. He always has. So thank God now for all the times he's delivered you from evil, even the times you didn't even know about. Pray that you would remember that he is always stronger than anything you might go through. Ask him to teach you that right now. Ask him to remind you that he's always stronger than anything, anything you can imagine. He will be stronger than that, infinitely stronger than that. Is there ever a situation you picture that already causes you to doubt? Then remind yourself now. One, repent of that. Say, Father, I confess. I confess it's a sin to think that's bigger than you. Forgive me and teach me. And you can know that's what he's doing. That's what these passages are here for, to teach you that. There's nothing, nothing that you go through that will be stronger than the Lord. And lastly, pray that he would keep your eyes on him. That you would stay close to your shield. That your shield would not be left in your house or in your car. That you would not have found yourself wandering days or months or years away from the tower that you're going to one day so desperately need. Pray that he would keep you close. That he would hedge you before and behind. That you would know when you cry out, deliver me from evil, that you will turn and find the tower right there where it has always been and you have kept yourself close to it. Ask God to bind you to himself. Father, from the very beginning, you have always delivered your people, always supplying us refuge, always being a shield for us. And Father, what, what joy to have our Christ teach us to pray, deliver us from evil. And we're about to take, Father, a supper that is going to show us how all the promises that you have made find their yes in Jesus so that we can utter our amen to you. You have delivered us from the greatest evil. You are a tower that will last for our eternity. And so, Father, as we take the supper together, may we see in this time how you have always kept your word and you always will. You deliver your people from evil. And so we pray with confidence and we praise you with joy. There is no God like you. What a blessing to be your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.